A reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. The mountain of the Lord. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they change to war anymore. This is the word of the Lord. So I'll just start with a quick prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. So, more than 100 years after the end of World War I, why do we still remember? Or perhaps I should rephrase the question and say, what are we doing when we remember? It isn't remembering to switch the lights off before you leave home. Sorry if you're now all panicking. Or remembering the names of all the planets in order. Can you do that? If you want to know a really good way to remember, see Paddy. Paddy's got the technique, haven't you? He'll share it later. When we remember, we show respect. We show fellow feeling, gratitude and sadness. Today we are remembering all the sacrifice, sorrow and wounds of war. We're remembering the armistice was an agreement to stop fighting. So we're also remembering that we should be building a peaceable kingdom. We're remembering that sometimes, in the interests of justice and peace, sadly there is a need to take up arms against the oppressor or in self-defence. Some Christians interpret Jesus' teaching as a refusal to take up arms in any circumstance. And pacifism, it's hard to say, pacifism has a long history and deserves great respect. It shouldn't be confused with cowardice. However, I'm with those who understand that sadly there can be just war as a necessary evil when all other solutions are exhausted. I think probably the Second World War falls into that category. I saw it put well in an online discussion on the role of army chaplains. This is what the commentator wrote. The Gospels condemn every use of force by individuals on their own behalf. But nowhere do they state that one cannot use force to protect others or contribute to collective efforts to protect others, such as the police or the army. The fact that I must turn the other cheek when I am struck does not mean that I should stand by when others are treated badly. There's a lot going on there. 
Now, last year at this service, there was an elephant in the room, namely the Russian invasion of Ukraine. This year, there are two elephants in the room, so no wonder I feel uncomfortable. The war in Ukraine continues, but now the headlines are dominated by the dreadful events in Israel and Palestine. This year, when we remember, we need to remember the people in both those areas of conflict. And here's the thing that many people on social media seem to fail to grasp. It's possible to mourn those massacred by terrorists on the 7th of October and to mourn the thousands being killed in Gaza. Every single one of those people is a beloved child of God. And so to the really hard bit, where is God in this? It's the age-old problem of why does God allow suffering recast into a theatre of war? Wiser people than me have written volumes on this subject, and I am aware that the minute silence is at 11am, not 11pm. So my response will be brief, I hope. Violence and suffering is as abhorrent to God as it is to us. It is not what he wants for us. If we're looking for God in this, then we find him suffering with all those who suffer. He is comforting the Israeli mother and the Palestinian mother as they mourn. God is in the rubble. The psalmist said, he is with us in the valley of the shadow of death. It's kind of what the incarnation is all about. God isn't on a cloud in the sky. He came down and lived amongst us. He understands what it is to be human and to suffer. And God is working in the world through those people who are trying to make peace and trying to bring practical aid. He's working through all those who have donated towards humanitarian relief, even in small ways, like the 94 shoeboxes that we put together and sent off to Ukraine. And God set out for us a vision of what his kingdom will be like one day. We heard it in the reading from Isaiah that that Simon brought to us. They will beat their swords into plowshares. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Isaiah was writing at a time just as troubled as ours, and it's not a naive fantasy. His vision of God's promised future is to inspire his audience to hope and to peace building. What if we hear this message as an opportunity to partner with God, to bring in his kingdom now in anticipation of its coming in all its fullness? Perhaps rather than asking, why does God allow suffering? 
we should ask, why do we? When we say the Lord's Prayer later in the service, I hope you can join in with saying, Thy kingdom come. Assalam alaikum. Shalom. Peace be with you. Amen.